You're listening to The Jill Monaco Show, episode number 51. Welcome to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill. Each week, I hope to bring you a message that inspires, encourages, or challenges you to go after and live a life you love. Join me and my friends as we explore what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. Okay, today's podcast guest is my friend, Julie Holmquist. She is married and the mom of four boys. She has a set of twins and one with special needs. She has a gift to see what God is doing in the midst of unforeseen circumstances because she knows God is writing a beautiful story. Julie loves to see people awakened to their part in God's story. She knows each one of us is called to uniquely express who God is to the world. She champions others who are bravely stepping out of their comfort zones to build their portion of the wall in the kingdom. Julie wants others to know that encountering difficulties in our calling is not a sign that we're doing it wrong or that we've heard God incorrectly. Quite often, it simply means that we've caught the enemy's attention and we're doing something eternally significant to further God's kingdom. In studying the book of Nehemiah, Julie discovered a few ways the enemy attempts to thwart God's plans in our lives as believers and those that are called to do great things for God. Now, quick side note, if you're someone that feels called but is uncertain about the path, you may also want to listen to my podcast number 48 with Carla Pratico. In today's podcast, Julie will share why it takes courage to walk in what we feel God has asked us to do, why we stay small and seemingly hidden because we then feel the enemy leaves us alone. It's once we get a burden from the Lord to do something and put action behind it that the enemy takes notice and devises ways to thwart our efforts. She'll also share how the book of Nehemiah and all they experienced so beautifully parallels with our lives as we break free of the status quo and move toward our own assignments that God's given us. Well, let's get started with Julie. Hey, Julie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks, Jill, for having me. I'm so excited to have you. You're going to be talking to us today about a subject that I think everyone struggles with. Everyone wants to know their calling and their purpose. And then they feel like if they do get it, it's like roadblocks. And so God's Mm -hmm. given you some wisdom about that. Yes. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that um, you had said was that you believe it really takes courage to walk in your calling. Can you say a little more about that? Definitely. It takes courage to walk in our calling because there is a very real enemy out there who wants to thwart God's plans and purposes in our lives and those around us. And we need to be aware of how the enemy works and be spiritually prepared for that battle when it happens. Um, As you're beginning to build his kingdom through your calling, we will encounter the battles the enemy uh, throws at us. The the word says that as the the Israelites were just about ready to enter in the promise into the promised land, God left the enemies there so they could learn how to battle, how they would learn how to make war. What are the things God builds in us and his character when we're learning how to do battle or learning how to, like you said, make war? In my own life, I think, something that he was 
teaching me about was dependence on him. I cannot fight. I'm not equipped in and of myself to fight the battles that I encounter in life without God. So I guess just an an utter dependence on his spirit to accomplish what he wants through me. Um, Dependence and just community. You know, we, Mm. we can't be doing this by ourselves. There's, you know, the, my dad used to tell me that the, the lone animal, the one that's kind of a straggler in the herd, he's the one that the enemy attacks. And mm. so we need our community. We need that the body of Christ surrounding us with unity of purpose. We have different callings, but we have the same purpose, and that's to build God's kingdom and to bring Him glory through that. Yeah. And I think you can't just get courage, like take like a pill or take a class, like... Courage to face the enemy really is waging war, not as a, like being on the defense, but being on the offense, right? Oh, right, right. Now, in Joshua, it talks about taking courage. So it is something we have to do. Um, but like you said, it's not taking a pill. It's, it's, I think it's more or less abiding in Christ because he is the courageous one in us. And mm. as we just are obedient to him, we can walk in that courage. Yeah. What do you think are some of when someone realizes they're being courageous? You know, God tells Caleb, be strong and courageous. Um, and so what do you think are some of the qualities when we're like, okay, this is what it looks and feels like to be courageous? Like that little pat on the back that we're on the right path. I think maybe primarily it is kind of turning off the chatter in our minds. Um, A lot of thoughts come at us, and sometimes we internalize those thoughts because they sound so plausible. We hear ourselves in our own voices, and so we kind of just assume them to be part of us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The fear, the enemy wants to bring fear, the enemy wants to bring ridicule, and these are all things that Nehemiah encountered as he was given the, well, he wasn't given the task, but he, he had a burden to rebuild the wall for his, for the Jewish people. What he did was he somehow found the courage to, to approach the king and say, I want to go do this. And he was the cupbearer. So Nehemiah was the one that would drink and taste the drink before the king to make sure, because they often would poison kings, right? That's how they would die. Mm-hmm. And so he would taste it. So like, you think about it, every day he had courage because every day he could right. take a sip and die. Right. Right? Yes, yes. So God was probably preparing him in that um, arena, serving mm-hmm. the king to have to have courage. I mean, I can't even imagine stepping up and saying, I'll I'll be the fall guy, you know, if someone's going to poison you, I'll take it first. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, yeah, yeah, God was preparing him. I actually never thought about it like that. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. It's not my idea. I heard it preached somewhere. So, but I can't, I can't really remember who to give credit to for that. But, you know, it dawned on me as you were talking about courage and that um, we don't really what we see is we see someone who made it. We see someone on the platform or someone who's overcome and they're telling their story of overcoming. And we think, oh my gosh, they're so courageous. Mm-hmm. But we don't realize 
What areas did God give them that were small that they had to, you know, build up that courage and learn how to be courageous? Like David, you know, being out with the sheep before he would fight Goliath, right? Right, right. Similarly, Nehemiah, like we just talked about, Nehemiah was being prepared as the cupbearer. David was being prepared and he had to, the confidence came when he saw God work through him. Right. Like, I killed the bear and I killed the lion with my own hand. And so I'm able to do this because he's able, he's able and he's, he lives within me. He is my God right? and he will do it. Yeah. So I wonder, I'm just thinking out loud that the courage that we gain, I think it's just a quality of God that it doesn't really come. We might learn it and we might build it up, but it really like God's the author of everything. So he has this, you know, he's not afraid of anything. So he gives it to us almost like a gift that we get to walk in. But apart from Mm -hmm. him, like there's tons of fear apart from him. So we really only have courage when we're in him. Right. That, That abiding in him and his life flowing through us gives us the courage because we, it's, when we know our God, we can have courage because we know his character. We know his ability. We know he's reliable. He's faithful. So we can walk in that courage. And like I said before, it's just a matter of shutting off the chatter in your mind. Someone mm-hmm. told me one time when I was discouraged, um, and I wish I had an artist sometimes to paint these pictures that I get in my mind of when God gives me something, excuse me. Um, I was discouraged and she said, you need to, the enemy's just tapping around your brain and you need to shut off the chatter. And what I saw was me laying on this dusty ground and I was discouraged and the enemy was just tapping around, stirring up the dust. Mm. And that's what he does. He gets us to, you know, when there's so much dust, we can't see through it and we're, we don't know our way. So we just kind of lay there. And so we need to turn off the chatter in our minds of telling us, you can't do this. You're not capable. Um, One of the tactics, tactics of the enemy in the book of Nehemiah, there were a few, there was discouragement and fear But there's also slander, and this is one that I've fought in my own life. Um, From the time I was in Bible college doing things for the Lord, ministering on the streets of Dallas, Texas, the enemy always whispered in my ear, you're just doing this because you want to be seen or you want to be known. You're doing this because you have ulterior motives. Nehemiah encountered that very thing. They were accusing him of building these walls because he was going to uh, revolt against the king and set himself up in that position. And he had to he had to answer the enemy each time the enemy brought something specific to him. He had to answer him in a specific mm-hmm. way. Yeah, and if I remember right, there was a a time that they said you need to come with us, and he's like, no. Nope, don't need to. Like, and sometimes right. the enemy does that. He wants us to not only listen to his accusation, but then go where he, you know, the, believe the lie, you know, mm. and come yeah. with me, come on my side. Um, well, he was persistent. He kept sending Nehemiah letters. And mm-hmm. finally he said, okay, well, let's meet here. And 
Nehemiah said, no, I, I'm doing a great work. I, I can't, I'm not coming down to you. Right. And that's powerful. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many people listening that um, feel like they have a calling from the Lord and they are having this kind of fear. And, and I love that we're talking about courage because it's, you know, something that's developed on the way to your calling, um, mm-hmm. but also on the way to your calling. You mentioned it a little bit, but so many people feel like they get resistance to something. And that resistance makes them, you know, maybe it's like the letters that were sent in Nehemiah, but like, you know, God's not blessing you anymore. Like you've heard him wrong. And, you know, so that's a common tactic of the enemy too. What do you think about that? Well, often, Jill, when we say yes to God's invitation to partner with Him and what He's doing, it alerts the enemy that we're no longer hiding, that we are um, awakened to our lives and what God's doing in us and through us, especially when we're set on making a difference. Um, I can't remember the exact scripture, but it talked about how sand, sand ballot, one of the enemies, when he heard that Nehemiah was building the wall, it says he was greatly incensed and he went down, he he grew angry and went into a rage and went down to thwart those plans. Mm -hmm. So I think, first of all, we have to realize that a lot of times the resistance is the enemy. And well, mostly we have to recognize that the resistance is the enemy and God is a big enough God that if he wants to turn your course, or turn direction for you, he is well able to to speak into that. We we can just keep walking in it and just setting our faces on the goal of or the you know what God's asked us to do. We just keep mm-hmm. walking in it. Yeah. And even it's I think of like, you know, sometimes you're down a path and Oh, a tree fell or there's a flood or there's different natural disasters, right? And you're like, it doesn't make you, you don't stay there and look at it and say, woe is me. God didn't call me. You figure out a different way to get there. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have that idea before now, but <laughs> um, sometimes I need um, the Holy Spirit to give me ideas. Even I'm sure as people are listening, they're thinking of things in their life where they've had resistance, and um, I'm doing the same thing as we're talking. Um, you know, well, that's the- such a good word. That's such a good picture, Jill. As you know, like you said, you're on a path. You see this tree, and you're like, I can just picture standing there looking at it. I mean, how ridiculous would that be? You know. It's, it's, we got to find a way around it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes like, <laughs> this is totally random, but sometimes when I like can't open a jar or something, I'm like, seriously, where are the angels? Come on, you guys can help me open this jar. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and if I do that and like without fail, I somehow am able to twist that jar one more time and it opens. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm just saying, um, there's a heavenly realm that we're supposed to be able yeah. to ask for their help and assistance with. So why not when we're doing something as important as following our calling that we yeah. ask God to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, um, remind ourselves or who we are in Christ and the authority we have, but also like God, send your spiritual help towards me, you know, to help mm-hmm. me lift up that tree, get it out of my path. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So the other thing people often feel 
during this time. And I'm going off of things that you gave me um, as little bullet points so people don't think I'm the brilliant one. You're the one who thought of these things. Um, But you said many people feel hidden during this time, but it has a purpose. Say more about that. Um, I think the enemy wants nothing more than, I think, well, false humility, right? It's, it's, well, it's nothing of me and, you know, and just, I'll just do, I'll just stay in my four walls and do whatever God asks me to do. But I don't think the enemy cares if we stay small. We don't get on his radar when we're playing small and we're hidden. Mm. Unless there is a purpose in it. And like we talked about with David, um, I've said before, if he's appointed you, he will find you. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a janitor, if you're a trash collector. We all have purposes in our lives. And no matter where we're at, if God has anointed you, you have a purpose. And his purposes are going to prevail. So he will find you. You may feel like you're not getting anywhere in life. You're, you're, you don't have any traction. You don't um, have any, you don't feel like you're making a difference. But as we like surrender to that, as we lift, as we give it to the Lord, he has something to work with. And he's working true humility in our hearts because we know what it would be like to be hidden and to not be seen. Um, but the word says that you'll have to help me with this verse, Joe. Okay. Um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we're not sharing the word of God, if we're not sharing it, if we're not speaking it and living it so people can see it and hear it, then they're not going, they're not going to have the faith to grab a hold of it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and I think people relate more to the challenge and the brokenness. And so when we're vulnerable in the process, um, it helps others see that where they're at is similar to us. So if we can be vulnerable about here's the challenge I'm at and this is what I believe God to do or this is the challenge I had and this is what God did. But if we only share the good part if, of our lives and um, mm-hmm. how we're you know in, in our calling and not allow people to see the process, then they can't see that God's going to work in them too. And that's where, like you said earlier, the body has to come together. We can't do it without one another. And those that are maybe a little further along need to say, hey, take my hand. I'm I'm here with you. You can do this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have unsaved family members, as most of us do. And early on in my marriage, especially my in-laws, Early on in my marriage, I was like, there was so much coming at us. We had financial difficulties and premature twins and just our life was a mess, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, God, how am I going to be a witness to them when our lives are a mess, really? And he's like, it's because of me in your mess that they will see your my faithfulness to you your love toward me in spite of the difficulties. So it's, it's, I've come to not welcome, but embrace the mess and the weaknesses because I know God 
God is going to use it. People have said before, you know, how how can you still be joyful when you've got X, Y, Z going on? And in Nehemiah, it said the joy of the Lord is our strength. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I'm able to keep going. Right. Right. And, you know, the other thing about Nehemiah is he, with one hand was building and with one hand had the sword, right? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, they had to learn how to do both. They couldn't, they couldn't just focus on one or the other. And I mean, that, that was a literal thing that happened. So in one hand, they had the sword ready to take care of the enemy while they were still building. So we always, we always have to have those two, two components when we're walking out our calling. Definitely. Yeah. And social media might just show the part where we're building, but people don't know the parts where we're warring. Right. But I also feel, and you know, I've, I have a few author friends that have been writing books and such and talking about there is, there is a component on social media though, that people talk so much about their mess. Like you made mention Mm -hmm. of earlier that we don't want to get, we don't want to stay stuck there. So, you know, there is hope. We don't have to glorify the mess. We have to, you know, we want people to know where we can relate because we're just like them. Um, but we don't want to stay stuck in that mess. God, yeah. there's a purpose in the mess and it's to bring us out so we can share with other people. Yeah. It's with a verse that says, you know, let them know the hope that's within you, you know, and part of having hope in the mess is that whatever we focus on, we give power to. And so yes. if we're only sharing the mess, that's what has power over our lives. And that's what you know, others will see and what they'll feel is okay to duplicate. But Mm -hmm. if we talk about the hope that we have, and that's where our focus is, the other part's just an element of it, but our, where our focus is, is really what's going to guide and rule our lives, whether that's our thoughts, our emotions, our beliefs, all of that coming under the submission to have the mind of Christ and the hope that is Mm -hmm. within us really is, I think, like exactly what Nehemiah was doing. Yes, that's good, Jill. That's very good. He, um, at one point in building the wall, I think it was said it was, they were halfway in the process and the strength of the laborers was failing. They had to, it said they had to remove some rubble to continue. Mm. So a lot of times we get into our calling and we get discouraged or we start just losing steam. Maybe we've been doing it on our own strength. But we come to this place where we're like, well, there's a lot of rubble in our way. There's a lot of things we have to clear out, you know, to, in order to proceed and and have that hope that we can succeed right. in what he's called us to do. Yeah, that's good. You know, as you studied the book of Nehemiah, what were some other patterns of attacks that you noticed that people could relate to? Um, well, let's see. One of them was that the enemies, it's kind of interesting. The enemies increased as, as you read, as you continued reading, um, like in, I'm going to look here in chapter two, there was only, there were only two enemies mentioned. And then chapter or verse 19, another enemy came along. And then in chapter four, more enemies, it's just like, 
he's relentless. If he can't come at you one way, he will try another. Right. And it's, it's, we need to be wise to his ways. We need to be aware of his schemes, not walking in fear, but it, I mean, just aware, you know, um, let's see the, the discouragement, they were ridiculed. The people who were working on the wall were ridiculed. Um, I mean, how many of us have set out to do something for the Lord and people didn't understand it. And so they were mocking it or ridiculing it. Like, what do you mean you're going to get on a podcast and talk about this? You know, mm-hmm. um, I think another way that people get discouraged is that um, the enemy kind of brings in like a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of start questioning who they are. Who am I to speak on this topic? You know, the whole imposter syndrome. Who am I to to make a difference in this arena? Look at my life. You know, yeah. um, if if people really got into my life, they would not really listen to my message. But it's not about us. It's about his message. And a calling truly is nothing more than just accepting an invitation to what God's already doing. He wants us to participate in it. It's not like these angels come down and, you know, sing over you and you're called to do this. It's just simply participating in what God's doing. So if that means reaching out to your neighbor, that is your calling. If it means standing on a stage, then that's your calling. Right. And one isn't considered more powerful or important or necessary than the other, because the, the one neighbor that you might reach out to might end up inventing something, you know, or going and being a missionary and changing a nation. Like we can't really right. qualify it. Um, and I think that in today's day and age, it's difficult um, for people. But I, I think of the phrase that if we we need to be careful to be building God's kingdom and not our platform. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to just tell a little story about this couple. Um, a friend of mine, he and his wife are on their way to another country, I think Haiti, to adopt a little girl. And this couple that um, they stayed at their house overnight, their ministry, and this is so awesome, their ministry is to house families who are on their way to adopt a child overseas, but mm-hmm. they have a, like a layover hmm. or something. So they minister to the families who needs, who needs something in different cities, I guess. I mean, they have, it's just the two of them in this one city, but I think they have some other people in various other cities that that is their ministry. And so, you know, we're not applauding them from a platform or whatever, but that is a a vital component to the other couple's call to adopt. They couldn't do it without this other couple. And so we need everybody. Everybody needs to be awakened to what God's asked them to do. And I, I just, I get so excited when I see people passionate about what God's asked them to do, no matter what it is. Yeah. And often what he's asked you to do, I've heard two things. Tell me what you think about this. One, it's usually within what you can do right now. Like you can do something towards your calling right now. And two, Mm -hmm. it's usually bigger than you think you can do. So those are like yeah. almost two opposite things, but that absolutely run parallel. 
Well, Nehemiah was, he was already serving. He was doing what, he was already doing what was in front of him, right? Right. And then when he heard about the wall, it was a big endeavor. So those, that right there, are, it's the epitome of what you just said. He was already doing something. He did what his next thing was. And then God laid it upon him to do something that was even bigger than he was. Right. Um, and it all started, and I think I found this really intriguing. Nehemiah was, like we said, he was the cupbearer. And then he simply asked a question. So it's like when we're not so concerned about our own needs and we can ask a question about other people and be willing to have the Lord lay a burden on our hearts. Because he just asked about the state of Jerusalem. And then he heard about the the situation. And that's when God laid that burden on him. And we can do the same thing, asking questions, talking to people, getting out there and, and asking God, where do you want me to serve? How do you want me to minister to these people? You know, no matter what it is, bringing food to someone, mowing a lawn or, um, you know, or preaching or going to school to become a neurosurgeon, whatever it is, it's, it's asking the questions and being willing to have God answer them for you. Yeah, that's so good. In one of the previous podcasts um, that I did with Carla Pratico, she said that your purpose in life is to be loved. God created you to love you. So purpose mm. and calling are different. So that's our pur- good. Right? Our purpose is to yeah. be loved and love God. That's easy. Like, that's it. Like, we don't have right. to do anything. But then he calls us. He invites us to do other things, you know, which is an expression of our love for mm. him. That is so good. Yes. Yes, yes. We're, so, we're, we're, our calling is a fruit of us being loved and us loving him. That's good. Yeah, that is good. I like how when it all works together like this. So, yeah. <laughs> so who do you think like this message in Nehemiah is for? Well, in my writing, in my studying, I'm primarily focused on um, people who are discouraged in their callings because mm-hmm. they've they have encountered obstacles or difficulties. I want to say, you know, don't give up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, different different aspects of the book. Um, people who want to build something for God in God's kingdom. Just what kind of like a a blueprint, I guess, mm-hmm. of what that looks like. Um, yeah, I just think that it's, it's for me, it's, it's an encouragement for those who are discouraged in their calling. They already know mm-hmm. they have a calling and they're walking, they're taking steps toward it, but they're discouraged and they're defeated and they, they don't really recognize how the enemy works per se. And so they're, they're thinking, well, I must have heard God wrong. Yeah. Or I must I must be doing it wrong because it's not working. <laughs> yeah. But Nehemiah encountered difficulties too. That's good encouragement. So what do you think? You know, whenever we write, um, I know you're writing a study on Nehemiah, but whenever we write something and God calls us to study it and share it with others, man, you end up going through it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So what is God teaching you personally right now about your calling, how to love people well. What is he showing you? 
Um, right now he's, he's showing me how to get my eyes off of myself and to keep looking at the needs of others around me. Yes, we all have issues. We all have problems. We all have hurdles we have to get over. But as we seek his kingdom first, he takes care of all that for us. I don't have to focus on it. I don't have to make it go away. I just lifted it. I just lift it before the Lord as I'm walking forward and he takes care of it. He gives me the strength. He gives me the success and I just keep being obedient. And obedience doesn't necessarily always mean pertaining to your call. Like mm. I think one day I was writing, I'm a writer and one day I was writing at Starbucks and the words were flowing. Everything was going well. I was like, yes. And then God said, go home and do your dishes. <laughs> I was like, what? God, I'm writing. I'm writing what you told me to write. He's like, I want you to go home and do your dishes. And that was pivotal to me. If I'm going to be obedient in doing my dishes, that will open more doors in my calling than if I were just to keep writing and not obeying him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Am I making mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. So it's like we have to be obedient in the little things as well as the big things. Yeah. And it doesn't always make sense when God's asking us to do something that doesn't seem kingdom-minded or purposeful, but those little things I have found when he asked me to do something that doesn't seem like it bears a lot of weight, like I'm an achiever. I like to achieve big things and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the mundane things feel like a waste of my time. But often he uses those things that feel like a waste of my time to restore me, rejuvenate me, like doing dishes or taking a walk is kind of when I'm just enjoying his presence and just having a yeah. conversation. And man, I get the best revelations when I'm doing things that don't <laughs> seem to matter. <laughs> I know. You would think I'd be doing dishes all the time, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I still struggle. <laughs> yeah, and dishwashers really messed up that whole plan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, well, I love all of our the things that we've talked about. I'm sure so many of the listeners have been blessed by your wisdom on Nehemiah. And um, thank you for sharing a little bit of what God's shown you and teaching you. Where can people, where can they find you? What is your website and social media? Uh, my website is stuffofheaven.com, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram, um, and it's all Stuff of Heaven. And so I'm, I'm going to be starting, I've started another series on my blog about feeling stuck and determining um, if it's a God-ordained season of being stuck, because sometimes he... He stops us in our tracks because he has a work for us to do in our own hearts. Or it's the enemy and we're learning how to um, differentiate. And so that's currently what I'm doing right now. But it's stuff of heaven. Someone already has Julie Holmquist. So I can't. Seriously? <laughs> Someone yeah. already has your name? And, <laughs> you know what's funny is. I, I lived in Colorado Springs, and she is a writer. She worked for Focus on the Family, and she wrote about special needs. And wow. I have a special needs child. Yeah. Wow. Bizarre. 
That is bizarre. <laughs> well, so stuff, anyway, of, stuff heaven. of heaven. Okay, yeah. great. Well, for all those listening, I will leave everything that we've talked about and links for you to find Julie in the show notes at jillmonaco.com. So, um, Julie, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It was really great to talk to you. It was awesome. Thanks, Jill. Well, everyone, thanks again for listening to today's podcast with Julie. And if you liked it, there's a few things I would love for you to do. First, will you please subscribe? That really helps more people find it or leave a review, like click those little stars, leave a quick review. Again, it just helps the organic reach of others who may not know that this podcast exists. And if you'd like to learn more about Julie and have all the links that we mentioned today, go to jillmonaco.com, click on podcasts, and you'll find it there and you can feel free to share it with your friends and uh, leave a comment as well. I wanted to remind you about an announcement I made a few weeks ago about our new program at Jill Monica Ministries. The Kingdom Community has been such a fun place to connect with other believers. If you're searching for a place that's kind of like Facebook, you know, all the benefits of posting, being in groups with people that are like-minded, and meeting new people without all the ads or censorship or missing the things you care about, plus have access to all of the ministry stuff we offer, like articles, these podcasts, courses, teaching, and other free resources, then head over to community.jillmonaco.com and become a member today. It's literally the best thing we've ever created for you. Again, it's community.jillmonaco.com. Again, thanks so much for joining us today, my friends. And remember, love well, you are made for it. Bye.